I'm Alex Milleris. And I'm Tai Seifu. And before we get into this subpar week of Canadians hockey, I want to point out a fun fact that I saw that, that pertains to this week in Canadians hockey. Uh, and Corey Perry actually became the first player in NHL history to do something very interesting. He became the first player to score in two different games on the same day, thanks to how late the 11 p.m. Eastern time start was against the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, if we're looking in the Eastern Standard Time Zone, Corey Perry scored uh, on Thursday, March 11th, against the Canucks, very, very early in the morning, and then later that night against the Flames. All right. That's, that is a fun fact. So it's never been done before, I guess, eh? Um, I'm pretty sure. That's what he said? Okay. Well, then. Like, that was so weird, though. Like, that, that was such a late start. Um, have you, have we ever seen an 11 o'clock game ever? Like, I don't think so. Eastern? I know, I know what happened in Vancouver. I think we talked about it when it was like last week, like wh- what? Um, and you have, it's like two Canadian teams. Don't know what the NHL is thinking there. Um, like 10 o'clock is bad enough. And now you're making everybody stay up uh, until two. If you want to watch the Habs game here on the East coast. So, uh, Hey, but it let, it let Corey Perry, uh, get those stats. And it seems that like, he's the only one. Uh, to be performing well, especially on offense lately, as we transition into the Habs. Pretty miserable week playing against the mediocre teams of the North Division. Yeah, I came up actually the other, the other night with like a convoluted reason for why an 11 o'clock start maybe makes sense, but I don't remember it anymore, which means it probably wasn't a very good reason. Oh, yeah, okay. I was I was thinking maybe they were throwing a bone to the European fans who are always getting up at like 4 in the morning for games, and now this, uh, in some parts of Europe, would have been like uh, six, seven, eight in the morning. So maybe it's a little bit of a more reasonable time for them. So once a year, we make it easier for European fans to watch. That's fine by me. Yeah, but it wasn't really marketed as a Europe game, right? Like, <laughs> not I at mean, all. That was and, and... simply, yeah, <laughs> that was just okay, my own right. thought process. You never know. Uh, it was probably by accident that they one... did that, but I'm sure someone league... in Europe was glad. Yeah, exactly. And if there's one league that would have like a Europe design game and then completely fail to market it uh, anywhere, <laughs> would probably be the NHL. Okay. So, it has what one and three or one, two and one, if you uh, ask the Batman point. Yep. Um, man, this was this week was not fun, especially the games against the Flames. Uh, we'll start with the the Canucks ones. Uh, because first of all, they should have won both of them. Uh, in that. I think they outplayed the Canucks in both of them. Even the first game, I think they deserved to win. Uh, they were up one nothing nearly the whole time, you'll remember, and gave up a goal with 40 seconds left. It was 1-1, and then they lost in the shootout, dropping their record, I believe, to 0-7 after regulation. Uh, and I think after that uh, loss, they actually had more pity points than regulation losses, which was quite remarkable. But anyway, uh, Kerry Price was, I think, the first star of that game on tsn or whatever it was even though they lost and man i kind of predicted this i think when we were complaining about how bad price has been i was saying look pretty soon he's gonna have a rebound stretch he's gonna be everyone's like oh great he's back to normal he's one of the top boys in the league now and everyone's gonna forget about this talk about exposing him to seattle or whatever uh and but then eventually he's just gonna you know have another slump again and the conversation's going to arise once more and right now even after he gave up three goals to the Flames yesterday and he looked a little shaky at times, 
especially on that called back uh, kick in goal where he turned the puck over over the past while he's actually he's looked very strong which is you know what we hope from the 10.5 million dollar goalie uh Shea Weber though I, I want to discuss this player uh because it looks like the decline is here um he isn't a star defenseman at all anymore no question he's the best def- not the best defenseman on the team anymore that's Jeff Petrie for sure and Shea, and Shea Weber is the number two and honestly I think um he's not a great number two I think he's probably like a second parent defenseman at this point in his career. And I am probably as worried about that declining asset as I am about Carey Price. Um, because, you know, Carey Price every once in a while, he he does go on these remarkable stretches. He will be great in the playoffs. He has been great in the playoffs all the time. Shea Weber, I mean, I don't know. That's a, almost an $8 million defenseman who's on the sharp decline. Yeah, but like this was to be expected. Is anybody really surprised, right, when they made this deal back in I don't know, like five years ago? Uh, this was this was part of the deal, right? You're gonna get Shea Weber when he's you know quote unquote good, which like I don't know if he's played that great in Montreal, um, even over the last few years, like even when the he hadn't hit that hit that wall, um, you know. But then again, neither is PK Subban, but that's besides the point. But uh, you know, these last I don't know how many years does he have left? Like five years left on his freaking contract. I mean, they were never meant yep. to be good, but uh, you know, but it, it like that that that's what you took on when you accept when you, when Mark Bergeron made that deal. It was you know he wanted to win. Now did that work out? Absolutely not. But now like it's inevitable. This is the all the albatross part of this contract. You know you can be worried about it all you want, but this was this was coming this entire time. Uh, Shea Weber was was not an asset that was going to age well. Was not a player that was going to age well. The, the cliff was coming. In fact, the cliff has been coming for like the last two years. He hasn't been particularly great. You know, he's had stretches where he scores a bunch of points. And you're like, great, but he's, he's never been good in the defensive zone particularly. And, and you know, his shot is, is his, even his offensive skills, it's like it's kind of limited to a shot at this point. Um, so, you know, is it worrisome? Yes. But did the Habs put themselves in the situation knowing exactly what would happen five years later? I mean, absolutely. Um, maybe Bergman didn't expect to still be the general manager uh, when he had to deal with this, you know, this bad time of the contract, bad part of it. Uh, but... Here he is. Uh, and, you know, to say this is aged poorly, like, can you even say that, though? Because, like, you could have seen this coming from a mile away. Like, how old is he? Like, 35? Maybe. I, I have no idea. Like, uh, let me see. Shea Weber is 35. Yeah, he's 35. Um, uh, so, did you expect him to be, like, particularly elite at 35 years old? And, it, like, do you ask that to Mark Bursby? He's probably going to say no. Um, but, you know, look. No, he'll you're, probably you're, say yes. He'll probably say yeah, Shea Weber is still that. elite. He'll probably, uh, he still says it's the best deal he's ever made, even though they've won a, the total of one qualification round since it was made. Uh, and we, we talked about, okay, unless, wait, were you done with your point? Sorry, I kind of interrupted you. Yeah, no, I was done with my point. Okay, if we're going to talk about the Sue Van Weber trade for a second from all those years ago now, um, and now people look at it, everyone seems to say, oh yeah, well, we all thought Montreal lost at the time, but it turns out they won. Uh, because P.K. Subban uh, had like a back injury and he hasn't been able to really fully recover since and his play has fallen off. Uh, that pretty much means that Bergevin lucked into not losing the trade. Shea Weber, his trajectory has gone exactly about as we expected. Uh, he was, I think, 31 when he played his first game for Montreal. And we were like, oh yeah, he's still good, but it's a long contract and he's going to decline at some point in the middle of it. And here, now we see that happening. Uh, whereas with P.K. Subban, there was no reason to believe he was really going to lose a step or have a sharp decline at the age of like 29, but that's what happened. 
So Mark Bergevin uh, doesn't get praise in my books for the f- fact that P.K. Subban had an unpredictable decline in play thanks to uh, so it's a back problem. Can we, like, okay, can we even say he won the trade, though? I understand Weber is a more valuable asset at this point. Maybe he's a better hockey player than P.K. Subban. Um, but contract-wise, I'd rather have Subban's contract. And if you compare the, like, the production between the, between the two in the last few years, yeah, Weber's been better. But, like, team success-wise, they've done jack shit. Um, so now, moving forward, in terms of the success of the Habs as a whole, um, and how these two will contribute uh, to their respective teams, you know, Shea Weber's going to be a cap-hit deadweight for the next five years. And P.K. Subban's only that for this year and then the next. Um, so only one more year after this one. So frankly, if I were to pick one right now, I might take Subban. Because that contract is so bad for Weber. And it was always this bad. But, like, given that they've had no success uh, while he, it was supposed to be the quote-unquote good part of his contract, like, can we even say they won? Because now they're they're strapped to Shea Weber and over $7 million in cap hit for the next, like, this year and five more afterwards. Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a really good point. And I actually, I think I'm right. I th- I'm sorry, I think you're right. I think I agree with you. Uh, and it really, it all comes back to things we've been saying a lot about Bergeron recently, which is a lot of his transactions look okay on paper when you compare players or something, but then you look on the ice and they, they don't win much. They don't win any playoff rounds. And Connor McKenna last night uh, tweeted, in case I'm inconsistent with my criticism of Bergevin, my big issue is how bad his teams are every year. And man, he hit it right on the head with that. And of course, you know, in the replies, some people are like, Sounds like you have all the answers. Or, or don't you think he put a better team on the ice? Or whatever. But that's absolutely correct. We, and it happened again this week. It happened again this week. Like, it's especially, let's let's fo- focus on the Flames games. Because those were awful and terrible to watch. And that's partly Daryl Sutter's doing. Those are his first two games uh, coaching the Flames. And he's been known to, you know, suck the life and energy and entertainment out of the sport of ice hockey. And he did that extremely successfully uh, in his first two games with the Flames. Barely any, any I don't know, waiting period or whatever you want to call it. And man, if, if your opponent is, first of all, the Calgary Flames, not exactly an all-star team. And all of a sudden they have a new coach who's Daryl Sutter, who's been, I don't know, living on the moon for the past four years. And within four seconds, he can make the game go exactly how he wants to go. And you just kind of succumb to that. And you play boring hockey and boring games and barely get any scoring chances and lose two in a row. And then that's that's pretty ugly. That's pretty bad on your team. Uh, and Mark Berger, one of the big things he said about his team is we can play any way you want to play which is kind of nice in theory. But, man, I don't know if, if, if Daryl Sutter's going, well, we want to play boring. And Montreal goes, okay, we'll try to play boring then. And then the Flames beat you. It doesn't inspire any confidence. It wasn't fun to watch. Yeah, if you, if you, if you play however the other team wants to play, what, what ends up happening is if you're not good enough, you have no fucking identity. And this team, if they don't play fast, uh, they have no identity. They suck. <laughs> uh, and that's what it seems to be. Like, they... If if you want to beat the like if the Flames want to play their boring ass defensive style hockey, well in that case what you do is you try to impo- impose the speed, right? And the Habs didn't do that. And is that a coaching fla- failure? Probably. Is that the players aren't good enough? Failure? Probably as well. Uh, because uh, there's no excuse. There's no excuse to because this the style of hockey, right? It belongs like ten years ago. 
And, you know, it's, it's we've seen over the court, like throughout the league, you know, like really the exception is the Islanders. But aside from that, there is like, it's, it's, not, it's getting more and more of an offensive league nowadays. Uh, and this style of shit doesn't, shouldn't work. Except if you walk in, you, as you said, you succumb to the style of play and you play boring shit in a style that you're not very good at, you're not designed to play in, uh, and you do it for two games in a row to an opponent who was, who was who you had a sizable lead over in the standings prior to these two games, but now only sits like two points behind you. And so they've completely blown that playoff spot cushion, so to speak. They're now like five points behind third place. Uh, so, you know, ever, that, first of all, that 100%, that 100% playoff guarantee has aged uh, as well as... As uh, as nothing really, um, I was I couldn't think of a comparison because it's fucking falling off a cliff over here. Uh, and yeah, the team kind of sucks, mm-hmm. man. Because like, it's just they, it's just they they don't have an identity, and and also they're probably not even good enough to have an identity. They're just uh, you know you freaking lose to the Flames like that. It's embarrassing twice in a row. Yeah, it feels like Bergevin's kind of built this team up to be one that like will make it to the second round is like the big hope. It doesn't look like he has any sort of Stanley Cup aspirations in mind. Or at least if he does, then he's not good at realizing them. And honestly, I think it all comes back to the construction of the defense and his idea of what the perfect defense is like. Guys like, you know, Shea Weber, first of all, is your number one. Joel Edmondson, Ben Chirot, who was actually injured for the last couple of games. Uh, drafting Caden Gooley in the first round, this type of big, tough, mean defenseman who will hit you hard and cross-check you, uh, that's not the type of defense that uh, that wins. And I think that's probably the biggest problem with this team moving forward. And that entire philosophy would have to change for Montreal to ever become a Stanley Cup contender, I think. Yeah, absolutely. This, the, the defense is just not good enough. They don't, they don't, uh, they don't really participate in active play much. They just, you know, go boom, boom, boom. And, uh, you know, Ben Chirot, we've been ranging on for weeks. And what does he do? He gets in a fight in a game in which they were already, like, killing the, the, the Canucks. The one game this week where they were their best game of the week. They're up, like, by three goals. He gets into a fight and breaks his hand. Um, Idiot. And, you know, say all you want about Ben Chirot and how poorly he's been playing on the ice. While, you know, Ben Chirot, even on the third pairing, is probably better than Ben Chirot sideline for months at a time because he fractured his hand in a fight. Um, the stupidest possible way. So uh, that, that's on him. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's just the defense is not freaking good, and the, the way it's being used is not good either. You know, you're like Kulak getting scratched, you know, every so often. It just it doesn't make sense, right? It's clear that you know Bergevin, he wants the the big booming defenseman, and anyone who doesn't really fit that mold will play third pairing minutes. Whether it's Victor Mete, uh, although you know whether Victor Mete is particularly good is is up in the air, uh, is up for debate. But uh, you know, really anyone who doesn't fit that mold doesn't find themselves with the uh, regular playing time. Yeah, you know, okay, this is a little bit of a sidetrack, but I was watching um, the Thursday night game. I was watching it on, on TSN, and it was some guy and Craig Button. I think it was John Abbott and Craig Button, actually. Uh, which I'm always surprised there's a commentator named John Abbott. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, man, I was so annoyed by Craig Button that night, and I never really liked him, but I can handle him for like a, a couple of seconds at a time when he talks, and he's like, oh, and he yells, yell talks, but... <laughs> Uh, the whole game doing color, I couldn't. So actually, I switched to RDS like halfway through the first period. But one thing I did hear Craig Button say that was really funny. John Amber was like, so Craig, uh, do you think Montreal is going to miss Ben Sherratt here moving forward? And he was like, no, I don't think so. Uh, he hasn't been that great. And I think they'll be just fine without him. 
And I just, it was so funny because it was felt like so unnecessarily rude towards Ben Chirot. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, he's injured. Uh, the team it won't affect them at all. So yeah, and you might not necessarily be wrong about that, but it was a very strange tone for a broadcaster to have uh, surrounding. <laughs> wow, will, will the absence of this player matter? No, it will not. <laughs> all right. Well, you can't you can't blame him for uh, not telling the truth, I guess. Or what? Or anyways, good for him for being blunt. Is what I meant to say. Okay. Um, all right. Where are we? You know who else here? looked injured? You know who else yeah. looked injured yesterday? Oh, it was Philip Dano, oh, no. and it was yeah. glaringly obvious. Uh, he was not engaged at all. They were pointing it out on the broadcast, even on Twitter. People were pointing it out. Like Philip Dano should not be playing. There's something clearly wrong with him. He just like uh, remember when Pierre Luc Dubois was about to be traded, and he had that terrible shit with the Lightning. Um, yeah. Philip Dano. He looked like that, but it wasn't like because of a lack of energy. You could tell it was kind of because he didn't want to hurt himself any more than he already was hurt somewhere. So uh, that might be a mistake on, I don't know, either Philip Dano's part or the trainer, Dominic Ducharme. I don't know who's in charge in that of that. But I don't think Dano is going to be playing next game, if I had to guess, uh, unless he heals super fast. Because he looks like he shouldn't have been playing uh, yesterday against Calgary. Yeah, who was watching that game, man, on the Habs bench? Do you not see? Like, he's clearly injured. He's not giving it 100% because he's not. He's injured, man. Just get him off the freaking ice, and he's not going to say, okay, guys, I'm done for the night. Um, You know, hockey players don't do that. They're stupid that way. Um, So, you know, what, were the trainers not watching the game? What's happening here, people? Uh, clear and obvious. He was he was a liability. Liability to everybody, to himself, you know, getting himself potentially aggravating the injury, but also to the team because he wasn't fucking good. Um, so, I don't know. I don't know what's happening there, but he should not... Yeah, he should absolutely not have been playing. He wasn't good at all. Uh, and certainly don't want him to get injured more. Uh, you know, is he trade bait? You know, it's going to be interesting. Uh, what's, what the hell is Bergevin going to do with this trade deadline coming up in like three weeks or so? Um, like, he's I probably going to buy. he stands pat. You think he stands pat? I think he just tries to get somebody. Um, yeah, okay, maybe he'll get make a depth piece. I think he, I think he w- could potentially be looking at uh, a fourth line center. Not that Jake Evans has been bad, but because if one of these centers goes down, uh, then you either you, either you move Paul Byron to center full time, which I don't like, or you call up uh, like Ryan Paling or Jordan Wheel and put them at center. And it's because there's there's so much depth on the wings, but uh, none of these wingers play center. And that's usually a nice luxury to have is wingers that you can switch to center. And Montreal doesn't have any of those. Uh, so if there's anything that Bergeron wants to buy uh, to insulation for a playoff push, I think it would be that. Um, maybe like we get Vancouver to retain half on Brandon Sutter and then give them like a conditional seventh. I think it's kind of smart to like, buy on those types of players that uh especially now that you know Montreal I think that they might end up with a little bit of wiggle room in the cap um because you know uh all this taxi squad stuff they've done Paul Byron on the taxi squad for a week so they might end up with a little bit of wiggle room at the trade deadline so if they can take some cash off the books for a team that that doesn't you know want to pay any money and give up pretty much nothing in return uh I think that's probably a a smart maneuver to make at the deadline yeah, but like, well, let's look. Let me look at the standings for the North. Like, it's does Vancouver even sell? I think is a oh, yeah, valid sure. question. Like, no, of but like, they look, will. they're only like they're like three points behind the Habs now. Like, they've played four more games, but 
like if I'm Jim Benning, I know it's the end is coming, right? Like the it, it, you not just like fuck it, like that is going all point, in. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you know. You you're right. You're right. I hadn't thought of that. Jim Benning is, of course, first of all, he's going to do what he's always done and be like, oh, we're only three points back. That's only two wins. We win twice and we're in the playoffs. This is probably uh, what's going on in his mind. Uh, totally ignoring, you know, games played and the fact that Montreal will also play games and points percentage and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, I think you're probably right. I don't think Vancouver sells because Jim Benning knows that his job is up if they don't miraculously make the playoffs. But Ottawa, uh, I don't know. I feel like, well, it would be smart probably to trade with those teams within your division so there isn't yeah. uh, as much isolation time. Mm-hmm. Um, Ottawa, hmm, Artem Anisimov is, is his contract. Yeah, he's in the last year of his contract. And you know Melnick's always looking to save money. You get them to retain half on Anisimov. You give them like nothing except maybe, I don't know, I'm trying to think, would you give them like Jordan Wheel to balance out the salaries? And now all of a sudden you got a good fourth line center on the team. Why not? It's interesting. It's interesting. I think this trade deadline is so spicy because of the cross-border travel aspect of it. You know, the quarantine and everything. And like, you know, interdivisional training, especially in particular for the North Division. Like, you either import somebody from the States um, or really like who's selling other than the Senators. Um, so do we see a bidding war for mediocre Senators players? I think we might. I think teams don't want to wait two weeks. Um, especially if you're like the Flames, the Habs, or the uh, Canucks. You want to... Yeah, and, and it's, look, the Habs are playing the Canucks twice this week. And yeah, the Habs have been, uh, you know, absolutely killing the Canucks all, all of the season. But, you know, the Habs haven't been killing anybody else. So I certainly wouldn't put it past them to lose the next two games. Uh, I think they're playing a back-to-back on Friday and Saturday or something uh, later in the week. And, and then all of a sudden, there goes your lead on the Canucks, even though they've played more games. You know, like, it's, it's so fluid, especially when you suck like the Habs do. Uh, th- like, and you're like... You're you're desperately clinging on to that last playoff position, but like, do we put all the faith in the world that they're not worse than the Canucks at this point? Um, the way they're playing, like, I can't say that with a hundred percent certainty. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Those these last two games against the Flames were so crucial because they could have they could be right yeah. now how much like like eight points up on them because they're two points up now. So if they have two more and the Flames have two less then that would mean they're 10 points up. They'd be 10 points mm-hmm. up on the Flames right now. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Come on. And then you lose two, and now you're only two points up. That's a ridiculous amount of swing. Now they're teetering on the edge of the playoffs. And you know, I every day I grow less and less confident that Montreal is even going to hold on to this playoff spot. Um, it just feels so much like the 15-16 season where they started off hot. Everyone was like, juggernaut. And then it started with a like one really bad slump. And then after that, it was just kind of like a consistent pattern of expecting to lose where it's like, Oh, you win two out of every five for the rest of the year. And then that, you know, it's like a slow burn out of the playoffs. And that does kind of feel like the pattern that they've started to fall into now that they don't break out of it. I think Calgary might pass them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like every so often we see them like, you get, like beat one of these teams really badly. Like they beat the Jets seven one last week, right? And then they beat the Canucks five one this week. But like in between, that that's like sandwiched by you know losses to the Flames, losses to the Canucks, losses to the Jets, losses to the Senators. You know, it's like yeah, you get these great wins. They boost your goal differential, um, but uh, and they look nice. But in the end, right? They're worth just as much as losing 
5-4 to the Senators in the shootout. Well, you know, it's just, it's, it's you ha- we have entered that pattern. We're like, I expect them to lose now. Even to the Flames, you know, and, and I'm like mildly surprised when they managed to pull it out against the Canucks. And like, I'm surprised that this whole streak of them not losing at all to the Canucks still stays intact. Because this team stinks. Last 10 games, they've had three wins, right? Completely buoyed by the get the, the you know the Bettman point because like they're they're a sub they're a sub five hundred team at this point if you look at their record you know twelve and fifteen once you combine the the overtime losses uh and yeah like do we do we see them like beating the Maple Leafs at any point in the season? Like if they get lucky maybe they win two more of the meetings. And you know the other teams like can this this offense is completely dried up. I can't this nobody's scoring except like you know, Gallagher's had a nice little stretch, and Tripoli, whatever, Anderson, Corey Perry, everybody else sucks. They can't freaking score. It's terrible. Um, and for a team that, you know, is supposed to be supported by the depth, I've talked about the depth all season, you know, aside for aside aside from Perry, like, nobody's really chipping in on offense at all. And in a division that's this bad as a whole, they should be. They should be. And then now it's not happening, and you win three out of ten. And, like, there you go. If we're going to compare this to the 15-16 season again, Corey Perry's reminding me of Daniel Carr, uh, mm-hmm. like the fourth liner who like is the only one who scores in like every single two to one, three to one loss for like a stretch in the middle of the year. Uh, similar vibes from from that. Anyway, um, let's move on from the Habs now and let's talk about the new draft lottery proposal because everybody knows that. No draft lottery system is good enough that it survives for more than five years, so we have to change it once again. Uh, Here's the new proposition. There are three new major changes. One of them is no one who wins the lottery will be able to jump up more than 10 spots. I mean, I didn't hate the old way enough for that to really bother me that much when, like, the 13th best odds team jumps up to second overall. Like, I don't really care. And I feel like People are still going to hate if, you know, the the 11th uh, worst team wins first overall if they hated the 13th worst team winning second overall, but whatever. Number two is that there will only be two lotteries instead of three. Um, this I don't like uh, because this, just, this, this is like you're swinging. We've talked about this so many times. Uh, we were like, we don't need to change the draft lottery. And it's like, oh, yeah, we need to stop tanking. So now we have it's the last place team to drop the fourth. And now the Red Wings are terrible. And it's like, no, no, but we should have gotten the first pick because we were so bad. And it's like, no, that's exactly what we were trying to avoid. But the NHL was like, oh, I guess we forgot our intentions from 2016 when we made this system. So let's just make it better off for the worst teams in the NHL and give teams mo- even more reason to tank than they already have. And last reason... We have can't jump up. People, teams can't jump in the lottery more than twice in a five-year span. If this were implemented right away this year, this would only affect the Rangers because they've jumped up both times in the past two years. I think that's the only team it would actually affect. And this change has kind of been talked about for a long time. Uh, when you know people got bothered with the Oilers uh, winning so many lotteries back in uh 2015 2012 uh and i think those are the only lotteries they actually officially won um even though they had the first overall pick a couple more times uh and yeah so that change doesn't really bother me but overall just feeling the need to change the draft lottery again when this system has worked perfectly fine i don't like it 
Yeah, God forbid we get adjusted to uh, and actually like fully understand the lottery system. Apparently they gotta switch it up. Um, it just I don't. It's just it feels so stupid. Like did you see that Gary quote? Um, he said, "quote I don't believe there's tanking in the NHL." Uh, end quote. And that's well, that as you said, completely goes against exactly what they were going against when they made the system when there was explicit tanking. Uh, and, you know, to say, oh, the, the players and the coaches are more honorable than that. I mean, to put it beyond the franchises as a whole, to not completely tear apart their teams for pieces and scrap parts and draft picks so that they can tank um, is completely ludicrous and delusional. So, um, first of all, yeah. So, if you in, if in a year there happens to be, you know, three great, you know, franchise-altering prospects, you bet your ass there's going to be a race for the bottom and Arizona and Buffalo are going to be right in the mix. Um, so, you know... Like, it's, do they have a memory of the goldfish? Like, I don't understand what's going on here. Like, um, do they not literally remember what they were going against five years ago? Five years ago when they, that whole McDavid Eichel thing happened and Buffalo completely was a complete embarrassment. Um, look, you can't have it both ways, man. You can't, can't say there's, there's no tanking and then like have a lot in the first place. It just like, it just, it's beyond stupid. Uh, and you know, the three lottery works and, and like, it's just the whole 10 spots thing is just like throwing a bone to the, those sour ass Detroit franchise. And, uh, you know, <laughs> well, really it's just Detroit, right? Um, like, okay, fine. Yeah. We won't let the, the other, the 13, 14, 15 teams win the, or 14, 15 teams win the lottery or 13th or 12th. Um, you know, it's just, it's dumb as hell. And I even heard that like what the whole two wins in five years, like it doesn't like you actually have to like move up in order for it to count. Did you see that? Like, I think it was Chris Johnson. Oh, was yeah, yeah, yeah. That. Uh-huh, yeah. So the last place team can win the first pick, and it wouldn't count uh, as moving up in the lottery because you can't move up from last place. So it's only if you actually move up your spot that that would actually count. So it is possible for a team to get the first overall pick five years in a row if they finish last place three years in a row and then move up from anywhere else to get those picks for the last two in theory. Yeah. So like, so would that, I don't remember exactly what happened with the Edmonton scenario, but that would that would Edmonton have even been restricted by that rule? Well, Um, yeah, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have changed um, any of those outcomes because they didn't win a lottery for the 2010 or 2011 first overall pick 2012. They did move up from second last to last uh, for the top pick and 2015 for McDavid. They also moved up from, I think third best odds, to number one Ah. so from after mcdavid they would have been restricted but it wouldn't have changed anything because they didn't win after mcdavid anyway right exactly so like you know all those people complain about the oilers it wouldn't have really affected them at all you know yeah um presumably but obviously we can't tell it's all like you know it's all retrospect but um yeah this all this all feels kind of stupid it all feels kind of trivial and it all feels like they're just you know handing detroit whatever the hell they want because they were grumpy because the odds didn't stack up in the favor. And, like, you look at the stats over who's won in the last, like, over the course of this lottery, it's exactly, um, we were we just talked about this before we started recording, like, it's matching the odds. You know, like, they like the odds for first of all, worst team winning the first overall pick is about, like, 18.5%, right? And over the last, like, nine years, uh, it's happened twice, which is, in fact, better than the odds would state. So, you know, it's like, what, what did you think was going to happen? What the hell did you think was going to happen, huh? Um, it's completely baffling. Like, it's exactly what's happening. What's, what the, st- the stats will tell you will happen, are happening. And, like, 
you know, it actually kind of fits the mold of this whole league. They, they don't believe the analytics. You know, they're just like, eh, it's just fancy numbers. Um, but yeah, it's exactly as the numbers would have. Decimal it, points. Know? Yeah, don't, what's that? Um, yeah. I don't work in integers. Um, <laughs> you know, here's the thing. So like, if the Red Wings had won any of the three lotteries this year, we're not talking about changing the draft lottery system, which nope. is baffling because it's the exact same system. This is meant that you make this draft lottery system and acknowledging a very reasonable possibility that a team could be far and away the worst and then still pick fourth overall. It happened with Colorado in 2017. It happened with Detroit this year. And all of a sudden it's too much for us to handle. And Detroit complains. And I don't know, because they're a rich team, the Red Wings. Now all of a sudden, oh, we got to change the system because it accidentally worked against one team a couple years in a row because it's totally random. Yeah. It's very frustrating. And, you know, I'm I'm starting to come around to the idea of abolishing the draft altogether, which I was originally very opposed to. I know this is kind of a pivot, but like uh, <laughs> people say, this is the only way that we're going to ever find. Like, is there ever a way we're going to settle upon one draft lottery format? And someone said, no, uh, not until they abolish the draft. And yeah, originally the only, the main reason I was so opposed to the draft is because I loved it so much. It was like one of my, like my favorite hockey day of the year. I was like, oh, draft day. It's so fun. But the more I thought about it in practical terms, what other job is there where your company is like, hmm, let's spin a wheel and decide if you're going to California or New York or Calgary for your entire career. It's kind of ridiculous that these players, not only do they have no control over where they play for their entry-level contract, they have basically no control uh, until they're like 26 or 27 years old on where they play. Uh, and this that does kind of seem like a glaring player rights issue that we've overlooked for the entire existence of the NHL and all the other major professional sports too. And I think it's probably only a matter of time before... I think the first step is probably players can become UFAs earlier in their careers. Um, and then eventually down the line, I think we see some kind of, I don't know, you could opt into the draft, but also you could sign as uh, you could be a free agent or I don't know. I have no idea how it would work. But there's some food for thought. Yeah. That's, that sounds like very uh, optimistic point of view for player rights. Um, you know, given the past history of uh, labor negotiations, do we do we actually believe that the owners will relinquish their hold uh, on the draft? Because uh, yeah, I think the answer is no. Because uh, you know, the the if not nobody, who the hell would go to I don't know Arizona? You know, they'll never be good. Um, and so yeah, Gary loves Arizona, so I don't see that ever happening <laughs> in the uh, well any future. But you know, we never you never know. I guess right? You can always dream. Yeah. You can always dream. Also about the draft, um, there actually will be one this year, as it turns out. Uh, the 2021 draft apparently is staying uh, with its current date in July, which is exactly what I was hoping for. It's going to be the strangest draft of all time. Uh, we thought 2020 was weird because uh, so many of the players didn't get to play in the playoffs at all, and some missed you know, uh, the end of their season, and, we were, and the scouts couldn't hang out together and chat the, over, with the players over a beer like good old boys. Uh, and we were like, wow, it's going to be so unpredictable. And we got a couple doozies, you know, Muhammad Doolin, Igor Chinahov, uh, Jack Quinn going eighth overall, whatever. We had, whoa, cut a couple of moments. Nothing too crazy uh, in the grand scheme of things, especially 
when we compare it to 2021, 2020 is going to seem like the most normal draft that there ever was because so many players are just going to like have not played in their entire draft year. And so these scouts are going to be going off gut instinct more than ever before. If we thought they were just, you know, going with vibes before, just wait until they, the players they like haven't played since they were 16 years old and they're 18 years old now a draft time. Uh, we're going to get, uh, I mean, honestly, I was going to say we're going to get some some crazy picks, some uh, off-the-board picks. Every pick is going to be off-the-board. We're never going to have any idea what's going to happen. Even even heading in, even like before uh, the pandemic started, uh, scouts were looking ahead to the 2021 draft saying there's no clear number one. Seems pretty wide open. Uh, and it doesn't seem like a particularly strong draft either. So unless it leaks that like, oh, the this team with the top pick is really leaning towards Owen Power or Matthew Beniers, it's there's a very good chance it's just going to be totally unpredictable all the way from the first pick all the way to the end. Ah, oh, that's going to be that's going to be hell exciting. Um, that doesn't happen much, does it? Like a a totally unknown first overall pick. Well, like you know, you don't you don't really know which, which way the the other team is going. Like, what's what's the last time yeah, that happened? Last... Like, do we say Heisher and he... yeah, Heisher uh, versus Nolan Patrick was kind of the last one. Yeah. Uh, but in the days leading up to the draft, it did really feel more like they were leading his year and that's what ended up happening um so as they were stepping up if they had taken nolan patrick it wouldn't have been like earth shattering but it was definitely the uh not as expected pick um there was 2013 mckinnon versus jones uh but then patrick Waugh said no no we're gonna take nathan mckinnon at the draft and we're like okay well there goes that mystery and then they took nathan mckinnon uh and before that i uh i wasn't i can't tell you much yeah okay so uh Ah, lots of excitement. And uh, we don't have to wait two years between drafts. That's fun. And uh, yeah, this whole uh, nobody's played in a year. Well, not nobody, but some of these prospects haven't played in a year. Uh, certainly, yeah, I'm surprised. I'm surprised the people who wanted it to happen this year got their way. Because, you know, I think I think some teams are really pushing hard uh, to make their jobs easier, you know? Um, but, uh, and, I, and I was expecting. Like, you know, we saw the report, you know, maybe we're going to have two drafts in one year. I thought... Yeah, I think there's a strong likelihood this is going to happen, but apparently not. I was uh, totally wrong on that one. And uh, yeah, it's going to be exciting. That's going to be a fun one. Uh, we have no yeah. idea what's happening. Uh, you know, like, I'm so uh, glad they didn't succumb wait for to the, the whining of the scouts. Like, oh, our job is hard. Like, okay, but it's it's not like anyone has a competitive advantage over you. Like, every single team uh, can't watch these players because they're not playing. So it's not any easier or harder for anyone than anyone else. So just do your best. It's all pretty much guessing anyway. So just guess better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I'm here for the, uh, I'm here for Igor Shinikov 2.0 and 3.0 and 4.0. Hopefully all in the top yeah, 10. All in the same year. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be good. All right. Um, so i uh, moving away from the draft onto some current news. Um, yeah, so the big NHL thing, right? So they they f- finally found a new partner for uh, signed a big broadcast contract after that train wreck of an NBC contract that lasted like ten years. Uh, so yeah, now the NHL starting from I think next year is going to be on ESPN in the U.S. for the next seven years. They doubled their per per uh, year amount that they get from the broadcaster. So they got two hundred million per year from NBC. Now they're getting four hundred million dollars. Uh, and yeah, I think this is, this is a good thing for the sport. I think, I think they were completely buried there at NBC. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
this won't really this won't affect us and our viewing habits because uh, we're not in the United States. Uh, but when I first thought, I was like, oh, a TV deal. Interesting. But man, everyone who actually lives in America or is more in tune or a part of like the broadcasting stuff than we are, we just have this podcast. Uh, we're like, yes, finally, this is amazing. They were so pumped. They were like, it's the biggest transaction the NHL's ever made. I was like, hmm, okay, that's kind of interesting. And I see where they're coming from because any sports fan uh, or I'm any casual sports fan in the United States, uh, we'll watch ESPN. We'll turn on ESPN, they'll see what they're showing. And they never showed hockey because they didn't have the contract. Uh, so that's why hockey was so unpopular in the United States uh, and growing so slowly in that country uh, because it's behind football, basketball, baseball, all the college sports, wrestling, tennis, badminton, uh, high jump. I don't know. I'm exaggerating at this point, but you get the idea on how unpopular hockey was. And now that's totally going to change because hockey will be on sometimes on ESPN. Um, and people who don't necessarily like hockey are going to turn it on and they're going to watch. And hopefully if if it's not, you know, Daryl Sutter's Calgary Flames versus the Minnesota Wild, they might get hooked uh, and actually enjoy it and find it uh, interesting. So uh, and that, on that note, it's a very good thing. Um, and of course, there's always the possibility that Stephen A. Smith is going to start talking about hockey on, what's his show called? First Take? I've only ever seen a couple yeah, clips of it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I've seen a couple clips of him. And of course, the crab rangoon things of that nature tweet, which apparently sums up his entire existence pretty well. Uh, I was when I was listening to Puck Soup. Uh, I think uh, Greg Wyshynski was trying to do an impression of Stephen A. Smith talking about the Flames, and he's like, "Everyone's talking about Daryl Sutter, but no one's talking about Brad Tree Living." And I thought it was really hilarious. <laughs> I was trying to, th- I was trying to think of like because it's just so because you think of Stephen A. Smith as like this icon of American sports broadcasting. And hockey is just the farthest thing from that. So it's like even just imagining Stephen A. Smith having heard of hockey or even saying Connor McDavid's name just feels so foreign that it's just a hilarious concept in and of himself. Uh, and people were saying, oh, he kind of feels like the kind of guy who's going to like hop on the like the you know, like the trade Nylander type of broadcast uh, from the least perspective. And, you know, I don't really see that happening. I think he's going to I think he's going to be like. I don't know what he's going to be like, but I think he's going to surprise us is what I'm saying. And I think if he does incorporate hockey somehow, if he does learn about it, uh, he's going to say absolutely wild things and they're going to only logically track a little bit, uh, but they're going to be very interesting. I can't wait for the first time we have to dissect the Stephen A. Smith quote on this podcast. I can't wait. Wait, you haven't, you haven't seen the video Um, because Stephen A. Smith has released a video talking about the NHL. It's like three days ago. Um, what? And it was fucking hilarious, man. Uh, it was uh, his top. Oh, man. You had. Okay. It was too good. Um, All right. I'm he, looking he it up his, now. Uh, okay. Top five things he knows about hockey. And it's just, it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, okay. I'm watching uh, yeah. it right now. Okay. I'll just talk right, for a little starts, while. Please then. consider subscribing. I'm on YouTube. <laughs> Okay, I'm okay, watching. Um, <laughs> you know what time it is. The NHL is back, and look who's talking about hockey. <laughs> Start of the 2021-2022 season. Are we, are we uh, live watching Stephen A's clip right now? Yeah? Yeah, I'm live watching Stephen A's uh, his watch talking about hockey, and I'm just, so that we don't have any dead air, I'm trying to just copy everything he says. Uh, 
Okay, wait, let me About play to get this again. DMCA'd right now. Um, it shall tonight music on a consistent basis. With that being said, you know what time it is. I'll give you Steven's A-list of the top five things I know about hockey. And this is a miracle, because I don't know a damn thing about hockey. I don't know a damn thing about hockey. Let me be clear. And then my staff reminded me, excuse me, Stephen A., you do know a few things about hockey. So I'm giving you my top five. Steven's A-list. Let's go to number five. That's top five. Oh, what's the Seattle Kraken logo doing there? Uh, what? Okay, number five. Okay, release the Kraken. For those of you who don't know, Seattle gets an expansion team next year. The Kraken is a mythological sea monster, a giant squid from the 1800s. Let's see, you didn't think I knew that. That's right. But damn it, it's the Kraken. It's Seattle, which is a beautiful city, especially when the sun is shining. Now they get a hockey team. It rains so damn much, the least it can do is... Uh, okay, I'm kind of getting lost here. All right, I'll stop this now. That's enough of that. I'll watch it later, but... <laughs> But it's very hilarious. I don't think we need four straight minutes of me just reciting the, the words I hear into my ears. I appreciate the impression. Uh, very good, very good. Um, but yeah, it, it just uh, like just having Stephen A. talk about it, like it's kind of a microcosm for why this is good for the game, right? Why this is good for the NHL because uh, when you're when you're getting what bumped out of the broadcast from NBCSN because of fucking golf, so now you have to go to, like, NBCSN, oh, like, yeah, 6. Um, it's it's no, miserable, no, think, man. No, no, it, was, no, it yeah. wasn't that. It was, I think, like, NASCAR or something was on NBCSN. <laughs> so, when, okay. so they moved hockey. They moved, like, a playoff game between, like, I don't know, it was, like, the Kings and Golden Knights or something to the golf channel. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, NBC right. NBC Golf so... or whatever. <laughs> Is that a thing, NBC Golf? Uh, probably. Uh, but when you find yourself on NBC Golf, where literally nobody will, I get to meet a single person in person or in Twitter um, who watches NBC Golf. Uh, it's uh, it's like what are you like? You're just completely screwing yourself over. And uh, you know the the deal that they struck with NBC, they clearly got shafted. NBC got a bargain, but it's not like they really did anything with that bargain. They just got to shove them onto the golf channel every so often when it was the playoffs. Um, so. You know, not to mention, failure on NBC that was so terrible yeah. at hiring people to talk about hockey. Mike oh, yeah. Milbury, mm -hmm. Pierre Maguire, Mike Babcock for a hot minute. What are we doing here? Come on. Yeah. So, uh, you know, hopefully ESPN can get things right. And yeah, it, it's, it's definitely, you know, the, the whole age of uh, TV broadcasting is kind of in decline right now. But, uh, you know, ESPN is still very much a huge name in sports. Uh, they got the cash. Uh, to prove it, you know, I think they're getting at least getting two point eight billion dollars over the course of this deal, and they're still trying to find like a, a streaming partner too. So, uh, you know, it's good for the cap. I'll tell you that. Um, you know, I think the expectation mm -hmm. is still going to stay, stay flat for a few years. But you know, supposedly the players are quote unquote in debt because uh, they, uh, you know, they were they were paid in full over the last season when so they didn't have that fifty fifty revenue split. Uh, so, you know, it's a it's a good thing for the league. You know, both on a on a viewing perspective. Uh, lots of people watch ESPN just, you know, just to watch, you know, turn it on. It's their uh, Friday night, Saturday night thing. And if they see hockey, they pay for the game. And from a money perspective, yeah, 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 they're doubling how much money they're getting off of their main broadcast deal, uh, which, yeah, it's great for it. And, you know, they yeah, they did completely bone themselves on the NBC deal. Uh, and they, they probably set themselves back. They set themselves back so much. Oh, my goodness. Especially compared to the other leagues. Uh, yeah. Like, nobody follows hockey in the States, really. Like, they, you know, proportional to the whole population there. So, yeah, I think it's definitely going to be great to uh, have them on ESPN. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, 
you said something about like uh, TV uh, stuff being in decline, which is true. And I saw this this commercial yesterday on the Hockey Night Canada broadcast that I thought was really funny just because of where it was. Um, you usually watch on streams online, right? Yep. All right. Uh, and would those technically qualify as illegal? I do believe so. All right. Wonderful. Uh, I'm, I am totally in because honestly, those illegal streams do grow the game because a lot of people, they don't have access to, to cable or watching on TV or, you know, the NHL, whatever premium package to watch all the games. And so those, those streams online do attract fans. And I was, when I was watching on TV on the, on the legal stream of the TV, a commercial came on, uh, for Sportsnet now. I was like, sure, watching on illegal streams sounds good, but then it's all fuzzy and it's a bad quality and it's terrible and there are pop-up ads everywhere. And I was like, why are you telling this to me? I'm literally watching a hockey game on TV right now. I don't think I'm the audience that you're trying to target with this. Uh, but anyway, and also I'm pretty sure that that's not true, that illegal streams are unwatchable. But I don't know. I just thought I'd bring that up because I thought it was really funny that you're showing this commercial about don't watch illegally to all the people who are watching on your network. Yeah. Presumably, I guess they're targeting the illegal streams that are using their stream, you know, like, is that, is that a possibility? Like if someone's stealing Maybe. their stream and then putting don't on most of the streams ads. shut off commercials though. Yeah, exactly. That's a thing. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know how effective that, that whole campaign is, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> Good um, luck. all right. <laughs> okay. All right. So, uh, anything else you want to add on the ESPN things? Uh, nah, not really. I mean, good for them. Right. Hope it works out. Uh, and I hope uh, that it will attract new fans, which it definitely will. Um, okay. because but what I, I really hope they don't have like, uh, they're gonna have on ESPN probably like some popular football commentator, basketball commentator hop on with like Nick Kiprios and Nick Kiprios is going to be like, please like my sport. Here's how offside works. Here's how icing works. Here's how goalie interference uh, coaches challenge review works. Isn't this so much fun? And all the people watching are going to be like, yay. Uh, yeah. So there's one of my worries, but anyway, Jordan Bennington signed a new contract. How about that? Yeah. So Jesus Christ, uh, six years, $6 million uh, for Jordan Bennington per year. And per year. So, uh, you know, they're starting goaltender. And my initial thoughts is, uh, yeah, he doesn't seem to be very good, does he? Uh, the last couple of years, this season, he hasn't been particularly good either. Uh, and, man, that's a lot of money for a lot of term for Jordan Bennington. And I understand he won a cup. I think that's getting massively overrated here. As it tends to be uh, massively overrated. Uh, Matt Murray is exhibit A. And I mean, it's kind of ridiculous that Jordan Bennington doesn't didn't use like Matt Murray as a as a threshold and be like I should get more than Matt Murray, uh, but alas, it didn't happen, and he's still getting well over what I'd be comfortable paying him, uh, or most goalies. I mean, they have I guess they've kind of you know, they're making their bed with Jordan Bennington. He was all right last year it was a nine twelve, this year he's he's been shaky at times. Uh, what it does worry me a little bit that in the bubble last year, I know it's a small sample size, but he was just so incredibly awful in the bubble last year when Jake Allen had to come replace him. He was like, uh, it was an 851 save percentage and a 472 goals against average. Um, so I'm 
wouldn't necessarily be comfortable with Jordan Bennington as my long-term starter, but it's not like they had any other, you know, you know, a one goalie waiting in the wings, goalie prospects. The interesting thing though, is this is going to be a pretty goalie heavy free agency class. Kind of the second one in a row, actually. Uh, Frederick Anderson is coming off the books Tuka Rask as well. Uh, anti Ranta. I think there are a couple others. Uh, so it's interesting. They're kind of like, Nope, this is our guy. Let's lock him in for a lot of money. Yeah. And yeah, given that, like even dudes like Chris Dreiser, who's like, he's not going to stay yep. in Florida past this year, you know, like, like obviously I think he's due for an overpayment, but I think you, you should, I think the Blues should have taken maybe a harder look at these guys who are coming out to the market. Um, you know, maybe go with a tandem setup because putting this much faith, that's the problem I have. You know, Jordan Bennington's an all right goaltender, you know, starting caliber, whatever you want, but to pay him six years, $6 million, um, it's just too much. It's too long. It's too much commitment. That's what it is. Um, you're really tying yourself and the success of your franchise for the next six years on Jordan Billington. And, uh, you know, do you even, the Jordan Billington right now, as it is, is not very consistent. Do you want him, uh, you know, past the thirties at 30, you want 32, 33 year old Jordan Bennington paying him $6 million a year. Um, I, I don't, I don't see this aging particularly well because, you know, he had that great stretch in 20, when he, you know, first came onto the scene, won the cup. But since he's just, he's been meh. You know, he's been, he's been, he's had nice stretches. He's playing on a really good team. Um, and he's been inconsistent as heck. And yeah, you bring up last year's, uh, you know, in the bubble, he was dog shit. And he's not particularly good this season, man. Look at his save percentage. It's 906. That is that you want to pay $6 million for a 906 goalie? Um, I certainly wouldn't. Especially considering that he's playing a bunch of dog shit teams. You know, the Kings, uh, the Coyotes, the, like all the California teams, right? The Ducks and the Sharks. Like, and you still have a 906? Um, like, yeah, I certainly would not want to tie myself with this goalie. I think it's like, I understand they're in a bad spot in terms of like the pipeline behind him, but still, man, you don't, I don't think this is very smart. Yeah. Uh, it kind of does seem a little bit like, uh, like a, like a, no, I was going to say disaster waiting to happen, but more like that they know it's, or maybe they don't know, but that there are definitely going to be some, some dark points throughout the six years with Jordan Bennington having, you know, a couple of super cold stretches and, you know, they really, they better insulate him with something, someone, someone besides Vili Huso because they traded Jake Allen. I was like, Oh, I guess they're going to sign a backup. And they didn't. And now they just have Vili Huso as the backup. And I mean, he's, he's Vili Huso, uh, which is to say not an excellent backup goalie. Let me look at his numbers. Actually. Yeah. 879 on the year, 10 games for Vili Huso, not exactly an NHL goalie. Uh, So maybe Bennington could use a backup too. Um, yeah. Before we get to the quiz for this week, a uh, couple small notes. Jake Gardner was a surprising name to see on the waiver wire yesterday. And, uh, you know, if Montreal hadn't signed Joel Edmondson, they would have had room to bring in Jake Gardner. And they were they were really pursuing Jake Gardner very hard uh, when he was a free agent in the 2019 offseason. Ultimately, he decided he didn't want to go to play in Montreal. Uh, he signed with Carolina instead. Um, but I, w- I would have loved for them to sign Jake Gardner. Uh, maybe he's not quite as good as we thought he was. He's like a, uh, a decent second-pairing defenseman. But if they had the room for him, uh, if they hadn't signed Joel Edmondson, I would have loved for them to swoop up Jake Gardner, uh, maybe put him next to either Weber or Petrie. I think that would have been just fine. But but alas, we have Joel Edmondson there instead. And, of course, yep. Jack Johnson on waivers too now. Yeah, that's a travesty. Um, so now my fantasy team is named after a minor leaguer. Um, well, that's pretty appropriate, I would say. Okay, uh, and yeah, other news. 
Uh, what else? Eichel, Jack Eichel. So the uh, miserable stretch for Buffalo continues. Seems like every week there's a new thing in the news for them. This week, it's uh, Jack Eichel's out long term. Uh, that's that's devastating. I mean, this this team has no talent anymore. They freaking suck. Uh, and it's like it's not like they were good with Eichel anyways. Uh, let me let me look at the standings. Where are they? I know they've won like they've lost like ten in a row. Uh, and they have sixteen points in twenty six games. So one sec, let me do the math on this one. Do we have another forty point watch contender here? Um, because oh, they've lost ten in a row. Um, let's see. Whoa, so I didn't realize it was that bad. Me, yeah, it's awful, and it's only gonna get worse, man. I I talked about last week how they're playing the Bruins a bunch of times now because they haven't played them right, uh, yet in the season. Uh, I actually that might have changed in the last week. But um, it still remains. Man, the they should send Dylan left. Cousins to the minors now to spare him from the misery. Yeah, well, yeah. Don't don't spoil him just yet. He's only like nineteen. Okay, so they're yeah, currently but... on a 50, 50 point pace. Um, so you know they're they're, they're still in the clear. But uh, you know it's still still certainly a scenario to watch. I think they're. Let me see. Are they the worst team in the league now at sixteen points? Uh, in terms of point percentage, I'm not too sure. They're they're close with Ottawa. Uh, um, yeah, they are. Last place. Okay. But points and points percentage, Buffalo. Wow. I hadn't realized it had gotten that bad that fast in Buffalo. Well, not that bad. We knew it was yeah. bad, but like, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, they're almost halfway done the season. Uh, they have 26 games. They have 16 points, uh, which means in their last 30 games, they would have to get 13 points for them to not clear a total of 30 points. I guess, I, I guess this is our new 30 point watch because it looks much more likely uh, that Buffalo won't clear 30 points than Ottawa because of how hard Buffalo is just trending downwards. I don't know if there is even any more downwards to trend. They're basically underground. And did you realize Jack Eichel only had two goals this year? 21 games? Yeah, I saw that. Mm-hmm. 21 yeah, games, was, uh... two goals, 16 assists, 18 points. Um, 16 assists in 21 games is pretty impressive. But like, two, Who's he passing to? Who's scoring those goals for those 16 assists? <laughs> Very confusing. But yeah, I feel <laughs> yeah, like Jack Eichel, if the Sabres were close to the playoffs, I think he probably uh, plays through whatever he's going through because he was more like, oh, am I in the lineup? Am I not in the lineup? Then he said, or him and the team, I guess, decided this year is not worth it. I'm just going to rehab and come back 100% healthy, either with Buffalo or whoever they trade me to. Yeah, he's probably done for the season um, playing for Buffalo. Uh, because yeah, there's no point for anybody to risk it at this point, right? Um, no point for Buffalo to risk it. Trade uh, his his uh, asset value goes down if he gets injured. No point, obviously, for Jack Eichel to risk injury for a team that is absolute dog shit. And so, uh, yeah, man, there's there's uh, like let me let me see that roster now. Let me pull it up because, oh my goodness, that that's got to be, uh, one hell of a thing. Right there. All right, yeah, we got, oh, got my lineup right here. All right, we got top line. We got uh, Taylor Hall and Sam Reinhardt centered by top line center Riley Shahan. Second oh. line, uh, Victor Shit, Olofsson, man. Eric Stahl, and noted reason the Oilers missed the playoffs, Tobias Reeder. On our third line, we have one goal in 23 games man, Jeff Skinner, with Curtis Lazar and Casey Middlestad. And on our bottom line, we have Tej Thompson, Cody Eakin, and Kyle Ocpozo, three black holes of offense. On defense, we have, who apparently has kind of been a revelation, Jacob Bryson playing on the top pair all of a sudden with Rasmus Ristolainen. Uh, then we have Rasmus Dahlin with Brandon Montour. And former Hab Brandon, Davids, Brandon Davidson, former Hab, next to Colin Miller on the bottom pairing, who apparently sucks. 
And with Linus Elmark injured, we have Carter Hutton and Jonas Johansson as our, our one-two punch in that uh, Dylan Cousins uh, is day-to-day right now. Jack Eichel's injured as well. And Zemgus Jurgensen, Jake McCabe, uh, Linus Elmark all on the IR. We have their, uh, this this goalie tandem of Hutton and jo- Jonas Johansson. Uh, yep. Save percentage, both of them, sub 900. And a combined win total, win-loss total of 1-12. Um, oh, yes, of course. Very nice. <laughs> uh-huh. So Allmark really was yeah. keeping them afloat. He was 919. He was 5-4, and four, which now that we see what happens when he's not here, uh, maybe he should be in the Vesna conversation, Linus Allmark. <laughs> uh, right? Oh, and he's another goalie okay. that's up at the end of the year. I assume he'll probably want to run out of this tire fire as fast as possible. And I think that's definitely a name to keep an eye on because I think because, you know, uh, it's hard to find any success with Buffalo. Uh, I think maybe Toronto, you know, with Anderson probably not staying. I think Allmark is someone they might have an eye on to bring in and, and tandem with Jack Campbell. I think that would uh, that might be pretty sweet for them. Uh, and I feel like someone's going to get a bargain on Allmark. They'll sign him for cheap for like a two-year contract. Well, relatively cheap. Uh, not like league in or anything. And he's probably going to, you know, really flourish with a competent team in front of him. Yeah, I think so. I think he's proven he can be like the number one guy if need be. Um, and keeping a team, keeping a nine, almost a nine twenty save percentage with a team like Buffalo and being over five hundred, uh, I think it's remarkable, man. Uh, so you know, good for Linus Almark. Um, but yeah, man, Buffalo stinks. It's it's so it's always comic at this point. Well, I think it was always comic, but uh, now it's reached a new it's reached a new low, man. Uh, a new level of comedy. Yeah, yeah. it keeps getting funnier and yeah. funnier. Do they do they keep Rolf Kruger? I I don't even know. Like, no way. Do you do you like no? I mean like like all the way to the end of the season. Like do you fire him? Um and then like doom some new guy, or do you keep him to the end of the season, tank a bunch, and then okay now your time's up. I'd fire him as soon as possible because this is just so beyond repair, and they're all miserable. Just get some fresh face in there, some fresh blood. Uh, maybe you're dooming someone, but that's their problem, you know. Uh, bring in, I don't know, some someone who's never coached in the NHL before. Uh, you know, give them, they'll give them, you know, because teams level, like you know, coaches who have experience as a head coach. Sorry, that was kind of, was kind of stumbling over my words there for a second. So if you bring in some aspiring coach, stand them behind the bench for the Buffalo Sabers. Uh, it'll be pretty hard for them to not have some kind of improvement compared to how they're doing right now. And then if you can them at the end of the year, the interim coach, and find someone new, then all of a sudden that that interim coach is like, hey, look, I have some experience on my resume, so everybody wins. So honestly, um, I think Ralph Kruger should be fired yesterday um, because I don't see how this is benefiting anyone to hold him around for any longer, much less at the end of the season. You think these players want want two more months of this? with no change whatsoever, except for trading Taylor Hall and Eric Stahl at the trade deadline. Like, no, no, thank you. I don't think so. And no, they might trade Allmark too, because he's a pending UFA. And I think if he's healthy in time for the playoffs, which I think he's supposed to be, I'm sure there are plenty of, plenty of teams. Probably, you know, St. Louis, they really want a a common backup. I'm sure they'd love to trade for Linus Allmark uh, at the trade deadline. So this is probably going to be a barren wasteland. Uh, even more so than it is now. Brandon Montour, another one who's up at the end of the season. Uh, Tobias Reeder, I don't think you can fetch much from him or Riley Sheehan. But uh, yeah, this is just, wow, total disaster. Yeah, real, a real threat for that 27-point watch. Um, so, okay. 
All right. Yeah, and and then we also have the the, the sideshow of uh, Ralph Kruger, you know, heavy shade on Jeff Skinner, <laughs> yeah. left and right. So uh, yeah, it really is a cloud over there. It's 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 like they're the new Ottawa. You know, like Ottawa's bad, but now Buffalo's the new Ottawa. Except like the on ice stuff is probably worse than than it was in Ottawa. Honestly, um, the on ice performance because it is holy crap, it's terrible over there. There's nobody good. There's nobody performing up to their talent level. And yeah, Taylor Hall, man. Oh my goodness, he he takes that one year deal, pump his value playing next to Eichel, uh, and now Eichel's gone. So uh, yeah, you, and his value wasn't those pumped to begin with. Yeah, no. Remember those extension rumors that he's going to sign in Buffalo for like more years? Man, can't imagine that's happening now. But uh, yeah, I don't think so. Yikes! yikes. Uh, okay. Wow. All right. Before we do the quiz, one All final right. thing. Actually, uh, today's yes. Pi Day. Uh, no. Not only does it mark uh, officially over a year since quarantine began, which that's so funny that like remember at the start we were doing like quarantine checkup as if it were like a fun novelty. And now, like, 70% of our podcast history has been during COVID-19. But anyway, uh, the reason I bring that up is I saw an interesting article in the Gazette that my parents showed to me about a six-year-old Montreal boy named Maurice Dickinson who memorized the first 314 digits of Pi just in time for Pi Day. Um, And that places him... He's six years old. (laughs) 314 digits. Uh, and this places him ninth in Canada, uh, all time, I think of the Canadian records. Uh, I don't think he cracks, cracks the like, um, world list, but ninth in Canada, that's pretty remarkable for someone who is like graduating kindergarten this year. Um, and I think they, they were also mentioning like the record holder in Canada all time, uh, something like. I don't remember the number. It might have been like 4,000 digits or something. And apparently the world record holder, I don't remember his name, but it was 70,000 digits. And he spent 17 hours reciting all 70,030 <laughs> digits or something like that. Uh, people can do the most ridiculous things. But yeah, the six-year-old boy, he was like, yeah, I, I learned about Pi. And then I memorized the first 20 digits on in one night and the next day i got to 50 and then the next day i got to 75 or whatever and yeah 314 digits so okay all right i know what i'm doing over my march break uh not about to be upstaged by a six-year-old um by six-year-old maurice what's your what what's your what's your what's your pie capacity how many how many digits do you know well my capacity is much higher than what i have put in the effort to know uh, 3.14159265535. I think that's correct. And I'm sure I could do much longer than that if I put my mind to it, but I simply don't have an interest. I see. Me as well. Uh, I think I have one less than you. So I just learned a new digit of pi today. Uh, I think it was the five. Let me just the make end. sure I'm not incorrect. Oh, uh, pi. Okay. I'm looking it up right now. Um, all right, here. Oh, yeah, here's piday.org. There's a page with the with 1 million digits of pi on it apparently 3.14159265535 yep and then it goes 89793 all right let's do a fun little activity and memorize that part together 89793 got it 89793 okay all right it has a nice little song to it all right i'm closing my i'm closing the page now 3.14159265358979 all right I hope I don't forget that by tomorrow. 
Okay, I, I certainly will. Uh, 3.14159265358979 Very nice. Oh, you right? said it has a nice rhythm there to it. I just remember this really funny conversation uh, between my two cousins who are brothers, and they're both musicians um, to varying degrees. Uh, and this was a long time ago. I think I might have been like eight or nine, which means they were around like 11 and 14 or so. And they were arguing about whether counting, just like normal counting, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, is in four, four time or three, four time. <laughs> and it's <laughs> now with the hindsight of a musician, it's so ridiculous to me because you can just choose to put the accent on whichever numbers you want. And one of them was like, no, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And the other one was like, no, it's one, two, three, four, five, six. And I was so enthralled by the discussion, but. Alas, there. That's was your second story. Was your second cousin on crack? What? How? What the hell, man? Three four counting in three four. That's uh, that's you yikes, man. Well, it's in four four. It's the same. What's the difference? You can count whatever time signature you want. Nuh-uh. it's it's you gotta you count can. four, man. Uh, One, are you really two, picking three, four, a side five, in this ridiculous argument? hundred percent, I'm taking a side. Uh, I'm taking the right side, the four four side. Uh, okay. Well, personally, yes. I think counting is in uh seven sixteen. Um. Okay. One, two, three, four, All five, right. six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, twenty, forty, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Uh, is the natural way of counting upwards. All right. Or is it time for the quiz? Quiz time. It's quiz time. Let's go. All right. Okay. I have a quiz now. Okay. I've made some pretty bad quizzes in the past. Um, this might be one of the worst. I've got to say, uh, it's not <laughs> clever. Okay. It is probably at most only a little bit fun there are really no redeeming qualities to this quiz at all but i had the idea and i was like yeah i'll do it because it's i don't know because i will uh so i'm watching you know every game montreal plays this year they're playing against another canadian team and i when they were playing the jets i noticed oh yeah nate thompson nathan Beaulieu, former habs that's fun it's always fun you play your former team i thought oh in montreal they have some former jets too ben sherratt yoel armia so then i decided uh well, first of all, I just gave you a couple of quiz answers without noticing. But um, basically, Wonderful. here's how it's going to work. Uh, I'm going to go through all seven Canadian teams. I'm going to tell you how many players they have who have played for another Canadian team. And you're going to try and guess as many of them as you can. Um, okay. I don't really have a threshold, but in total, all right. So on Calgary, there are five. On Edmonton, there are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. So now we're at 13. On Montreal, there are 6, which equals 19. Plus 4 on Ottawa, which equals 23. 4 on Toronto equals 27. And on Vancouver, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Oh, wait. Oops, I accidentally skipped one. Uh, 27, sorry, 32, and then 37. Okay, so we have 37 players on this list. Uh, oh, what are you thinking boy. for threshold? Are we thinking like... I, uh, I don't know. <laughs> let's go with with 27 that sounds about right 27, 27 on 37 27 out of 37 okay yeah all right what, what, what okay. is that as a decimal let's see uh what is um, that as a 73 percent. wow that's ambitious for me but sure okay all, all right, right. so it. let's start with montreal all right uh there are okay. six players <sighs> on the current canadians roster who've played for at least one other Canadian team. Uh, and so you have, this seems like the type of thing that should have a time limit on it. I'll give you 
A minute? Does that sound good? A minute? Okay. A minute and a half. Don't want to waste too much sure. time. Well, minute and okay, a half, all right, enough. to name these six players. And we'll be starting all that right. countdown in five, four, three, two, one. Okay, so we have uh, Ben Chirot. That's one. We have Philip Deneau. That's two. What? Uh, oh, wait. No, Philip Deneau played for Chicago. Oh, wait. Oh, no, I wasn't um, supposed to tell you when you got it wrong. Uh, oops. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. I don't know what I'm thinking. All, All right. right. I retract. <laughs> the C-level quiz just went to a D-level quiz. Wow. Oh, I'm just okay. blowing it on every turn today. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, I retract Philip Dano. Um, Where was I? I was at Ben Chirot. Yo, Armia. That's who you gave me earlier. Um, Paul Byron used to play for the Flames. Noted waiver claim. Tyler Toffoli used to play for the Canucks. Uh, Jeff Petrie, noted legend. Um, yeah. Thomas Tatar. What was Tatar before he went to the Golden Knights? Um, he was on the Red Wings, so I don't think he was on a Canadian team. Um, was that at five? Uh, Corey yeah, Perry, five. no. Uh uh, Joel Edmondson, no. Was Kulak on it? Not Jake Allen. Um, I'm gonna say Brett Kulak. Yeah. You got I them all. I don't, not sure on that one. But... Oh, nice. Six for six. More... Brett Kulak is a Brett former Kulak Calgary play. Flame. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, remember we picked him up in that, that trade right. for Renat Valiev and Matt Tauramina. All right. Anyway, oh. Oh. so you got all six from Montreal with a little bit of accidental help from me. Um, Wonderful. Let's move on. Let's just go gradually towards the West. Let's go with Ottawa next. Uh, we got four players on this team. Uh, so for this, let's go. Let's go with a minute for four players. All right, and that starts now. Okay. Yikes! This is this might still be bad. Um, uh, Nikita Zaitsev. That's one. Oh, they have a bunch of Leafs, don't they? Uh, who they get from the Leafs? Connor Brown. That's two. Uh, oh, Mike Riley. Mike Riley. They have Mike Riley, former Hab. And uh, the fourth guy. Oh, yikes. I'm not going to get this one. Um, yeah. Who the hell is even... Do I get a countdown? Let me know when I'm almost done. I'll let you know when you're almost done. Uh, okay. Fourth dude. I I don't know, man. Ten seconds. Adonov has not played for a Canadian team. Is it nice? Hmm. Five, four, three. Artem Zub. Incorrect. The name you were missing was former Vancouver Canuck, Eric Goodbranson. Oh, right. I forgot he was in the Sens. Um, right. Okay. Three or four is better than I thought pace, I'd though. get. Yeah, it's a very nice good. pace. You're right. nine for ten so far. Nice. All right, let's move on to the Toronto Maple Leafs. We have four on this team as well, so you'll have a minute, and that minute begins now. Okay. Former Canadian players. So let's look at their defense. DJ Brody, former Flames. Oh, Jason Spezza, former Senator. And uh, let's see. So they're big four. Nobody's really played for a Canadian team there. 
Um, Kerfoot was an Avalanche player. Uh, Michael Hutchinson. Does he count? Does he count? Like he played for the, I know he played for the Jets, but like is he on the roster? Michael Hutchinson is on the roster. Okay, so I'll I'll take uh Michael Hutchinson and Ten seconds. Ooh, I don't know. Three Travis Boyd. Two. No, not Travis Boyd. One you're missing was okay. former another former Winnipeg Jet, Zach Bogosian. Oh. Right. Uh, these bottom pairing defensemen oh, no. are really kicking your ass so They're... far. All right. I wonder why. Okay. Uh, All right. Uh... All right. Moving on to the Winnipeg Jets. All right. Uh... Uh, we have... Wait, let me just check something really quick. I just want to... All right. It looks like... So we have five here. One of them oh. is currently on injured reserve. Still counting him, though. Okay. Um, right. So we have five. So I'll give you uh, like a minute 15. I, f- I feel like we're on 15 seconds per player. Okay. So Fair enough. Three, two, All right. so, one, begin. So Nathan Bollier is one. Uh, so generously provided. Uh, Nate Thompson. Was he on the Jets? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, he's somewhere in the division. I'm pretty sure he's with the Jets. Uh, okay. Uh, ooh, man, defensemen, their defensemen are all just a bunch of scrubs. Oh, uh, DeMello is on the Senators, so Dylan DeMello, unless there's a different DeMello. Anyways, oh, uh, their goalies, uh, they still have LeBron Brassois? Hmm, I think so, I think he's behind Hellebuck. Yeah, right, the Habs played him. So LeBron Brassois? Definitely played for uh, the Oilers there for a bit. How many is that? Four? You named four players. Um, number five. Ten seconds. Uh, I don't know. Man. Neil Pionk? Four. <laughs> I don't think so, though. Three. Okay. I named two. my five. Neil Pionk. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, Neil Pionk was incorrect. Um, he's only ever played for the Rangers, I'm pretty sure. I find okay. it funny that you were uncertain about Nate Thompson because that was the one I gift-wrapped to you as oh, I was explaining right. the quiz. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're okay. right about him. Uh, the one you're missing, another low-end defenseman, Derek Forbert, huh. former Calgary Flame, very briefly uh, at the end of I last see. season. He was traded there from the Kings okay. at the trade deadline. Uh, right. So you're missing one uh, yet again. Uh, so... I'm pretty sure, yeah, you're still on a very nice pace. Uh, four nice. plus three plus three equals ten plus six is sixteen. So you have three teams left with lots of players on them, and you only have to get eleven more. All right, next up, okay, we got the Calgary Flames. Um, five players Wonderful. on this team as well. So you'll have a minute and fifteen to name them, starting now. Okay. Jacob Markstrom, cheese. Um. That's the easy one. Uh, ooh, this, one's, this one's probably the hardest one. I think. Oh! Lucic, and I'm going to have to say James Neal later. Somebody write that down. Um, right? Lucic is on the... Yeah, Lucic is on the Flames, Neal's on the Oilers now. Um, 
So that's two for the goalie and Lucic. Who else? I feel like this is a team that has some ex-Canucks. But that just might be Markstrom tinting that hole. Squad. Tanev. Chris Tanev. They signed him from the Canucks. At three. Oh, Josh Levo. Josh Levo scored against the Habs twice. That's four. Okay, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I'm doing pretty well. Number five, definitely going to be Ten some seconds. scrub defensemen. Um, I'm not even going to try. I'm trying to think who the hell would it be. Don't know. Oliver okay, time's up. Uh, okay. no, not, all, not Oliver Shillington. Uh, I'm surprised okay. it took you so long to get Chris Tanev because the, the whole joke was that they brought in all the former yeah, yeah, Mike right, from Tanev, right. Levo. Yeah. Uh, and also, by the way, I want to shout out um, that you slammed Josh Levo in last week's episode. You're like, they got Josh Levo on the second line. What a scrub. And then he scored twice. <laughs> it against... took me so long. Yeah, 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 I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The name you were missing was indeed a scrub defenseman. Uh, oh, nice. Former Montreal Canadian, Nikita Nesterov. Oh, um, oh right. Of course. Okay. That's the name that you're missing. All right. So we have two more teams left, but these teams do have or at least one of them has a lot of players it's the oilers okay. one two three four five six seven eight on the oilers one of them eight is okay. one of them is currently on nhl non-roster and one of them is on ltir but these aren't like no name retired players or anything uh these are players who are probably gonna be back and i'm pretty sure i have both like played games this year so okay so, so I, i'm wait, not trying how many to do I need? screw you over uh, how, many how many more total do you... Do you... Okay, wait one yeah. second. A four, six, that's 10. Uh, that's 16, that's 20. So actually, if you get seven of these Oilers, seven of these uh, eight, then you meet the threshold. Uh, if you don't, then afterwards there are five Canucks. So okay. you're in a pretty good position I've got here. I've got this in the bag. All right. All right, yeah. so eight players, we're going to go with two full minutes to name all of them. Okay. Starting All now. Right. Two full minutes. Wow. Okay. So uh, let's think. So Kyle Turris on the Oilers. Um, ooh, who's our goalie? Mike Smith, formerly of the Flames. That's two. Uh, defenseman. Defenseman. Tyson Berry, formerly of the Leafs. Oh, who's the other guy? Who's forming? Tyler Ennis? Yeah, Leafs. So that's for James Neal, who I wrote down. Not to forget. Yeah, that's I was five. waiting for you to get that one. <laughs> um, uh, okay. I think I've hit my ceiling. Is there anybody else? Well, there are other people. <laughs> but is there anyone else I'm going to get? Um. So yeah, One minute. David, obviously not. Dreisaitl, R&H. You're going to why? I said one minute. Oh, one minute. Okay. Um, oh, is there someone injured that you said? I don't... Like, Clefbon's injured, but he hasn't done anything. Uh, like, moved anywhere. Originally of the Oilers, Koskinen. I think he came over from the KHL. Or maybe not, but I don't remember him playing for any Canadian teams. Uh... On their defenseman, oh, Chris Russell. 
I don't know if he's played for any teams. I'm going to say clearly Chris Russell. Um, oh, didn't he play for the Flames? I think so. It's a while back. Uh, and... 10 seconds. I don't know. I don't know. Who, who the hell is on this team? Yikes. Three, oh. two... Ah, fuck. Alex Jason. Too late. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to count it. Sorry. Too late. Oh, wow. Okay. Yep. He he, uh, he was part of a... He was one of the answers, wasn't he? Yes, he was one of the answers. He played for two oh, okay. Canadian teams, actually. Ottawa and Calgary, and now Edmonton. Okay. Um, yes. But unfortunately, right. uh, it was too little too late. Uh, so you got six of them. The other one you were missing was Zach oh, Cassian, okay. former Vancouver Canuck. Okay. Uh, who is the one on LTIR as well, and Kyle Turris is the one on non-roster. So now uh, we move over to our final team, Vancouver Canucks, five players, and you only need to get one of them in order to meet the threshold and win the quiz. Uh, one of these players is on LTIR. The other four are on the active roster. Uh, so you have a minute 15 for these. Your time starts now. Okay, the Canucks might be the hardest one because like, there's nobody on this team that's like good besides the players that they've drafted early. So Bessel Horvat and, uh, and the other dude, Pedersen. Um, like now the bad people, like Brandon Sutter, Antoine Roussel, Jay Beagle. Like, I don't think any of them have played for other Canadian teams. Uh, huh. Defense. Quinn Hughes. Oh, Jordy Ben. Jordy Ben. That's one. So that I won the quiz there. That's good. Very Think nice. of anybody else for bonus points. Um, yeah, this one's tough, isn't it? I don't, I don't like JT Miller. Did he play for like he played for the Lightning and before that he played for the Rangers? I don't Ten know if he seconds. played for any other Canadian teams. Yikes, man! This one, this one's tough. Or I'm just wow. missing someone obvious. I don't know. Good thing I, good thing I did well on the other teams. Yeah, your just... time's up. Well, yeah. that's kind of interesting that you only miss like one or two on all the other ones, and the Canucks you only get one. Uh, the ones you're missing were Tyler Myers, former Winnipeg Jet. Okay. Tr- Travis oh, Hamonic, right. former Calgary Flame. Oh. Uh, Jace Horluk, former Ottawa Senator, and on no, LTIR, former Calgary Flame Michael Furland. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. But you won. Just barely. Oh, I should have taken the LTI. Yeah, I should have taken the LTI queue. I should have gone Michael Horland, but oh well. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, okay. That quiz wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. That was all right. That was yeah. moderately fun. The, the time made it exciting. You know, the time made it fun uh, more than anything. You had me name 27 players out of my ass. I th- you know, that's, I thought that was what the format was. I thought you were just going to release me into the wild. We weren't going to go team by team. You're just going to be like, okay. Go. 27 players. Oh, maybe um, I should have. That would have been pretty <laughs> hilarious. All right. But the, the the structure wasn't as bad as I thought it was. I'll give it a C-. minus. Okay, thank you. That's very generous of you. All right. Uh, actually, I agree. Uh, totally separate thing that we can close out on. I guess I'm still kind of subscribed to uh, Yahoo Fantasy Sports emails uh, because I just got my brackets released today. For March Madness Tourney Pick'em. So I always Ooh. fill out a bracket dating back to 2016, even though I have uh, no knowledge whatsoever about college basketball. I believe you do as well. 
Uh, you fill out a bracket, I mean, but you know much more than I do. What are your early takes on this year's March Madness? Um, my current take is that I have no idea who's in the tournament uh, at all. So uh, I'm just going to go on a limb and say uh, the UNMBC. UNBC. UNMBC? I don't know. The one that beat Virginia, remember? Are they in the tournament? Remember the 16th seed? Oh, Oh, UMBC? Yeah, that one. Oh, Oops. I have friends who <laughs> went go from MWCA, the guy who wrote MWCA went to UMBC. I hadn't realized that that was the oh, special March Madness school. Yeah, yeah uh, and a bunch of other kids in the show. Anyway, uh, cool. Nice take. Thank you very much Thank you. for listening to this week's episode of Fusion and Hockey Podcast. We'll be back next week, March 21st. I think Montreal has four more games this week. Hopefully they don't continue to get more and more exhausted by the compact schedule because that's a recipe for disaster. You can follow this podcast on Instagram at Fusion and Hockey Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter also. Our handles are in the description. And you can tell everyone you know about our podcast.